You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. This is your host, the original great Rob Silver. And today, we will do our usual three-part podcast. We will review the fights that happened Saturday. We had a bunch of fights all over the world. We had fights in New York City. We had, uh, of course, we had a major fight out in Tokyo, Japan. And we will also be talking about a third fight. So we have three main events we will be recapping. Another Q&A session and my historical overview of Sergio Martinez's spectacular knockout of Paul Williams in my greatest knockouts in boxing history series. But first, before we begin the podcast, once again, I do this at the beginning of every podcast. And the reason I do this is because this is a passion project of mine that I believe not only gives me satisfaction as far as honoring my father's memory and talking about the single greatest figure, not only in boxing, but in sports, period, throughout the world. And that is my Patreon series on the life and times of Muhammad Ali. The link is in the description of this podcast. $5 a month, you will hear my monthly series on the greatest performances and greatest fights in Muhammad Ali's career. I've done five so far. I have recapped, reviewed, and looked at the historical significance of his 
second fight versus Sonny Liston, his first fight versus Floyd Patterson, his virtuoso performance versus Cleveland Williams, his one-sided beating of Ernie Terrell, and his October 1970 comeback fight versus Jerry Quarry. I talk about what was going on in Ali's life in the country and the world at the time as told through several conversations I had with my father throughout the years that I was following boxing until he died in 2000. So from 1977 to 2000, my father and I engaged in several conversations about Muhammad Ali, and my father gave me a history lesson. He told me what was going on, and I I recall those conversations when I talk about what goes on in Ali's career. And I end each podcast with the YouTube channel Vintage Boxing Run by my buddy Martin from the UK, where I tell you guys the fight, the timestamp on on the YouTube channel Vintage Boxing. I ask you people to mute your devices, mute your smart TV, and I recreate my own version of the play-by-play of each fight. I've done this for all five fights. And next month, ladies and gentlemen, this is the perfect time to uh, subscribe because next month, I will be doing a historical overview of the biggest fight in boxing history, March 8th, 1971, Joe Frazier versus Muhammad Ali. Also available on the Patreon page is my 10-part series on the greatest upsets in boxing history. That is available. So right now, there are 15 shows that I have done that's available on the Patreon page that will keep you occupied before you get to next month's July's edition of the Lifetime Life and Times of Muhammad Ali, the iconic, legendary March 8th, 1971 fight versus Joe Frazier, simply titled The Fight. Now on to Saturday's action. First, let's get uh let's get the clown show out the way. Edgar Belanga won a lopsided 12-round decision over journeyman Jason Quigley. Whoop-dee-damn-doo. Um, he dropped Quigley four times. Uh, third round, fifth round, twice late in the fight. <coughs> Excuse me. So Belanga continues his um undefeated run. Belanga is a one-dimensional fighter. Okay. Quigley is washed up. So it was a perfect, once again, Belanga beat up a guy that had no shot at beating him. And despite the fact that this was the case, once again, for the third fight in a row, Belanga ate too many right hands. Quigley landed that right cross the first three rounds before he got dropped with with barely missing. Belanga's a one-dimensional fighter. The minute he faces an elite fighter at, at 168 pounds, he's getting knocked the fuck out. Um, enough about uh, Edgar Belanga. Let's get on to my uh, fighter of the week. Saturday morning in Japan, Kazuta Ioka gained revenge. Well, I don't, I thought Franco won their New Year's Eve fight from six months ago, but the fight was called a draw. This fight, Ioka fought even better than he did the first time. In the first fight, he fought a hell of a fight. He banged that body, and he thoroughly won a 12-round decision. Now, I give Joshua Franco credit. 
first and foremost, first and foremost, before I get to the fight, I I I have a serious problem today. For the second time in three weeks, four weeks, a reigning champion came in overweight and did not make weight. You had that with Mauricio Lara uh, four weeks ago when he lost his title on the scale in his rematch against Lee Wood. He couldn't make weight. He was way over the limit. And Friday, the same thing happened with Joshua Franco as he had to abdicate his criminal cartel WBA 115-pound title as he was unable to make the uh, the weight limit. And so... Ioka, despite the fact that he was facing a guy who didn't have to make weight, that was way over, that weighed in over the limit, and so came in the bigger guy. Ioka banged that body. Now, Franco, first round, I thought he boxed brilliantly, landed a lot of jabs, right cross counters. I gave him the first round, but Ioka in the second round began throwing punches and punches, banging the body. Won the second round. I thought Franco won the third round. But beginning with the fourth round, up until the tenth round, the tenth round I gave to Franco. So from round four through nine, it was all Ioka. Now, Franco gave it his all. Franco threw a lot of punches. But Ioka's body work set the tone and dominated the fight to the point in the middle to late rounds Whatever pop Franco had in his punches had dissipated because of the incredible body work by Ioka. Ioka is a power boxer. He Everything behind the jab, but when he gets inside, he bangs that body. He bangs that body, and he banged Franco's body like a drum. I gave Franco the 10th round. I thought he out-hustled Ioka. I thought Ioka took off the 10th round, but... In rounds 11 and 12, Ioka came back and battered that body, landed landed beautiful hooks and crosses. And my final score was 117-111 Ioka. One judge had it 115-113. The other two judges had it 116-112. Ioka wins the criminal cartel WBA version 115-pound title and continues what I believe has been a Hall of Fame career. If I had an International Boxing Hall of Fame vote, I'd vote in Ioka if he decided to retire today, three years from now. That's how great of a career Ioka's had. He beat Donnie Nietes. Now he's beating Joshua Franco. Ioka continues to excel and in a great era of great Japanese fighters. Of course, the top of the food chain is the already legendary Nayoa Monster Noe, the greatest Japanese fighter of all time. So Kazuta Ioka, because of because of his win over Joshua Franco in their rematch, winning another version of the 115-pound title, is the pound-for-pound pound fighter of the week. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now we go on to the best. Now, Franco Ioka was a good fight, but the main event from the Showtime card was the best fight of the weekend. Carlos Adamas, and I mentioned, I predicted last week that this would be a barn burner, and it was. Carlos Adamas versus Julian J-Rock Williams. First round I gave to J-Rock. He was landing that jab moving. Round two, Adamas hurt him. And Adamas was putting the pressure. Round three, Williams came back, won the round. Once again, he started banging the body himself. Round four, Adamas staggered. Williams had him hurt, was beating that body, landing at will. So after four rounds, I had it dead even. I thought Williams won the fifth round. But then Adamas came on strong. Adamas, in my opinion, won one. Round one, round six and seven. Of course, the devastating body punches. He was landing hooks and uppercuts to Williams' midsection. But I give Williams credit. In the eighth round, I gave Williams the round as he came back and he was landing beautiful left hooks and right crosses down the pipe, countering the aggressive Adamas. So after eight rounds, I had the fight dead even. Then in the ninth round, Adamas staggered Williams and was pouring it on. And Williams' right eye was was closing. And Williams wasn't responding like he should have. And that gave Mark Nelson the opportunity to stop the fight. Even though as he stopped the fight, Adamas was, I mean, Williams was about to throw a jab when Nelson stopped the fight. Now, a lot of people are upset that this fight was stopped. And um, one of the questions sent to me on the Ask Rob Silver se- session Q&A portion of the podcast from my buddy from Philly, the legendary Philly barber, Toot the Barber, he asked me, what did I think of the stoppage? Did I think it was too soon? No. I don't think it was too soon because Adamus was landing heavy firepower both to the body and to the head. Williams was catching a lot of straight shots. And remember, the referee's job is to protect the fighter. This wasn't like the Raleigh Romero Barosa fight from a month uh six to eight six to seven weeks ago when Barossa was dominant, and Romero stunned him, and then all of a sudden, boom, referee stopped the fight. No, horrible decision. I believe that was Tony Weeks. Horrible. No, in this fight, no. Williams was getting hit with thunderous, thunderous power punches, and Mark Nelson, job is to protect the fighter, and he did, he, he made the call. I respect the call. Would I have liked to see the fight continue? Would I have given Williams 15, 20 more seconds to respond? Maybe, maybe. But in that case, this this is one I, I, I can't call it a controversial stoppage. Mark Nelson, great referee, underrated referee. 
he made the call. He made the call, and I got you know, I got to tip my hat to him. If he thought the fight should have been stopped, the fight should have been stopped. Now, one of the judges scored the fight eighty to seventy-two, gave Adamus all eight rounds. What the fuck was he looking at? There's got to be something done about these scorecards. Um, these these judges don't get suspended. They don't get take. Uh, they don't get assignments taken away. You got this idiot in Vegas who's older than Medusa. Uh, Dave Moretti continues to get big fights in Vegas. Um, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford camps. Make sure he's not judging that fight, please. Please, if Dave Moretti is one of the judges of the Spence Crawford fight, there should be a criminal investigation before the fight even begins. Please, Al Heyman, PBC. Do not allow Sam Watson. Do not allow that man to be the judge in this fight, please. Don't want to see it. Anyway, uh, great win for Carlos Adamas, but Adamas' shelf life is very, very small. He's an aggressive power puncher. He takes a lot of pun- punishment. Um, he's 29 years old. He needs to bank a big fight now, but 160 right now is rotten. It is the worst. In the history of that story division, talent-wise, that I've ever seen, uh, Adamus needs to get a big fight as soon as possible because his shelf life is very, very small. He's one severe beating from an elite boxer away from a career-ending beating. And I'm not talking about he'll retire, but his defense is non-existent, and the right fighter will punish him, and he will never be the same. That being said, Adamas worked that body, landed power shots, and even though he landed the more effective punches and he was doing his thing, I still had it even after eight rounds. Why? Because Julian Williams was able to catch him with counter left hooks and right crosses. As far as J-Rock goes, he's just an opponent now. He's a stepping stone fighter. He's a gateway fighter. Uh, J Rock will never be champion again. He was a he was a uh, unified champion at 154. Um, he had a very 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 good career at 154, but 160. Even though the division is the drizzling shits right now, nah. He um he's an opponent now. And going back to Adamus. PBC, let's get this fight together. Let's get Erislandi Lara versus Carlos Adamus to unify two of those criminal cartel organ- uh, belts. Wait, what am I talking about? Adamus' belt was an interim title. Oh, my God. We lose track of the titles. And this is a perfect segue to my Ask Rob Silver session. For those who want, for those who want their, answer, their questions answered, and it'd be questions about anything. Could be questions about life, other sports, baseball, football, uh, crime, whatever you want to ask, I'll answer. But let me get to the Ask Rob Silver session podcast. And the first question I'm going to answer from LL School K, because he he asked a great question that I set up with Carlos Adamas. Carlos Adamas being interim champion. Too many titles. LL Skuke asks, can you please explain to the listeners that titles do not make 
a fighter great? And how many fighters have been champion that were not great fighters? For example, Andy Ruiz. There have been too many in the last 25 years, uh, LL. Too many. Robert Guerrero was a former uh, criminal cartel alphabet belt champion. Adrian Brown is not an all-time great fighter. Now, he had great natural ability. He's won titles in four divisions without ever beating an elite fighter, without ever beating a Hall of Fame fighter. There have been many examples. Carlos Adamas has an interim title. He's not a great fighter. He's an exciting fighter. He's a very good fighter. He's not a great fighter. They mentioned this on Twitter, and I answered the question to that. Ask me. Um, Floyd Mayweather had beaten 25, 26 former world champions. Man, yes, he beat 25, 26 uh, current or former world champions. But almost half those guys weren't elite fighters. Half those guys would have never won titles if you didn't have four criminal cartel alphabet organizations and multiple championships between each division. At one point in time, the WBA had your regular champion, a super champion, an interim champion. What the hell? Huh? Huh? The WBC has interim and world champions and uh, what, what they, a franchise champion. Anybody could be a world champion with the right management. Another example, Canelo Alvarez is the undisputed middleweight champion of the world, but David Morrell has a WBA belt. Why is the WBA continuing to, well, I'll answer why, but the WBA continues to crown multiple champions in each division. Why? Because they can rip off fighters with sanctioning fees. Oh, you got the WBA regular title. So here's the sanctioning fee for this title. We're taking it out your purse. No. A Haseen Rockman also wasn't a great fighter. Leon Spinks wasn't a great fighter. The list is endless, LL. Just because you win a title doesn't mean you're a great fighter, especially today when you've got maybe mm, nine, ten champions per division. Three and four in one um, section body. Man, get that bullshit the fuck out of here. All right. <laughs> All right. Next question is from, yo, this is Dre, Cincinnati, uh, born and bred, now living out, in, the, in I believe, in Indiana. He asked. Eddie Hearn, are you a fan or not? I'm a fan of Eddie Hearn. I like Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn is a tremendous promoter. Now, I don't like how he promotes American black fighters. He's done a horrible job at that. But as far as UK fighters, he gets, and Mexican fighters, he gets the best bang for a buck as far as promoting them. And he's a very enthusiastic Dude, he loves the sport. He grew up in the sport. His father's a legendary promoter. Uh, I like Eddie. The only qualm I got against Eddie is his inability to promote American black fighters. He did a horrible job promoting Devin Haney. He's done a horrible job promoting Demetrius Andrade. Andrade left him. I think Andrade's back with PBC. But other than that, um, he made Canelo a lot of money. Um, He just signed Joshua Franco's uh, brother Bam Rodriguez to face Sonny Edwards this fall in a 
flyweight unification fight. So Eddie Hearn, when it comes to British fighters, UK fighters, uh, Mexican fighters, is a tremendous promoter. When it comes to American black fighters, no. But then again, he's not the only one. Bob Aaron wrote the blueprint on how to do a horrible job with American black fighters a long time ago. Um, Yes, Dre, I'm a fan of Eddie Hearn. He's enthusiastic, and he really looks out uh, for for uh, for his fighters. And, and he tries to make the most money possible for his fighters, which is a promoter's job. Okay, uh, one last question from my buddy uh, M. Dube from Africa. Um, if you haven't answered it on your previous part, I want to know your insight on the Stephen Fulton versus Nioa Inouye bout that Nioa Inouye fight that is about to happen. I covered, I gave them like I did another podcast which I talked about it, but I will do a full review of that fight and the Spence Crawford fight in a few weeks on this platform. And I'll give my overall thoughts on both major fights. So, uh, M. Dube, once again, thank you, brother. Uh, great brother. Classy brother. Beautiful brother. All right. Now on to my greatest knockouts in boxing history. But before I do that, let me make sure I don't have any other questions. Let me see here. And, oh, before I do that, before I do that, ladies and gentlemen, let me see what let me see what fights are coming up this month. Not this month, but next week. Um, Fourth of July weekend, July first. All right, next week, July fourth, we have two fights. We have Liam Smith versus Chris Eubank Jr., and we have Jared Anderson now fighting Charles Martin. I'll be recapping both those fights next week. Uh, Jared Anderson will knock out Charles Martin. I'm going to predict the fourth round. And I have a Eubank Jr. winning a decision over Leon, Liam Smith, 12-round decision. So those are my predictions for those two fights that we will recap next week on the podcast. Now on to my... Let me see what number this is. 21st greatest knockout in boxing history. Occurred November 20th, 2010, Atlantic City, New Jersey. I wrote this article about this fight several years ago on fightgamemedia.com. And as I wrote, when Sergio Martinez and Paul Williams fought each other for the first time on December 5th, 2009, it was an action fight between two of the most avoided fighters of that era. Williams narrowly won the 12-round decision, yet it was Martinez who got the shot at the reigning lineal middleweight champion, Kelly Pavlik. Martinez capitalized by boxing and countering brilliantly, resulting in winning a convincing unanimous decision and capturing Pavlik's title. Martinez did the right thing by making his first title defense against Williams. What happened that night in Atlantic City was nothing less than shocking. Martinez was a former Argentinian soccer player who successfully turned his 5'10", 155-pound frame into a fleet-footed softball boxer with amazing hand speed and foot speed. 
Williams, also a softball, was a six foot one aggressive boxer puncher who utilized his size and strength to outmuscle his opponents. These ta- tactics, these tactics, were vital in Williams eking out the decision in the first fight. Round one of the rematch was a continuation of the first fight as both men went straight at each other and landed several big left crosses. It looked to be another classic confrontation between the two softballs. Round two was more of the same. Then exactly a minute into the round, Williams walked into a pulverizing Martinez left cross that completely made Williams' body limp as he crashed face first to the canvas. Williams laid motionless on his stomach as referee Earl Morton counted to 10. Morton could have counted to 100 as Williams laid unconscious for approximately 90 seconds. Martinez gained revenge for his previous loss to Williams in the most dramatic way possible. It was the continuation of a four-year reign for Sergio Martinez as a dominant 160-pound champion until June 7, 2014, when he lost his title to Miguel Miguel Cotto. I was at that fight, and it the garden that night, ladies and gentlemen, was so loud. It was rocking and rolling, rolling as Cotto did the amazing, amazing upset of beating the hell out of Martinez before stopping him. Martinez was now 39 with f- two fragile knees, so he, ri- he so he wisely retired immediately after losing to Cotto. Inexplicably, Martinez is, is in the midst of a comeback today in his late 40s. Less than two years after, after his devastating loss to Martinez, Williams signed to fight Canelo Alvarez in a mega fight schedule for September of 2012. Unfortunately, that fight never came to fruition as an as on May 27, 2012, Williams crashed his motorcycle while attempting to avoid a car in traffic. Williams was vaulted approximately 50 feet into the air and landed on the pavement with a sickening thud. Miraculously, Williams survived, but not before becoming permanently paralyzed from the waist down. He was only 31 years of age at the time of this unfortunate, life-changing, tragic injury. Today, Williams is the owner of a boxing gym and rental properties in North Augusta, South Carolina. Despite the devastating end to a wonderful boxing career, Williams has prospered financially, both in helping young men learn the sport of boxing and as a real estate investor and owner of properties. So um, kudos to Paul the Punisher Williams. He showed the heart of a lion in the ring, and he showed that same heart in surviving a injury, a condition that would destroy most people. No, no longer could he fight. He invested his money wisely and is doing work with children and is making money as a real estate mogul in South Carolina. So uh, kudos to Paul Williams. Uh, Sergio Martinez, shockingly, is rated in the top five by the WBA criminal cartel organization. Don't be surprised if he gets a title shot in the very near future. And that will be tragic because that man has no business in the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, it was my pleasure again talking to you great people. 
Um, the feedback has been phenomenal. Matter of fact, before I sign off, I want to read a five-star review that was given to me on Apple Music. I mean, Apple Podcasts. Hold on. Let me get this. Let me get this. I want to share. I want to share this with the, with, with the, with the listeners. Let's get it. Um, that's not it. That's the wrong one I'm looking at. I must be look. I got to look at this one. All right. Okay. This guy's been a long time listening to mine, and I don't think he's on Twitter anymore, So, but he's listening to the podcast. So, Dame, when you hear this, reach out to me on Twitter, at robertsilver5768, or you can email me. Email me a question, robertsilver57 at hotmail.com. I appreciate this great review I'm about to read. Um, from Written by Dame Gregory. May 24th, 2023, so almost exactly a month to the day I'm I'm um, recording this podcast. And Dame writes, love all of Rob Silver's podcast. Best boxing historian out there, hands down. Dame, you are 1,000% correct. There ain't, a, there ain't a historian out there on my level. <laughs> Uh, my mother once asked me when I was in my early 20s if I was arrogant. And then she quickly changed. She said, no, 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 you're not arrogant, Robert. You're very confident. Yes, I am very confident in everything I do. I am confident with the woman that I'm, with any woman I've ever been with. I'm confident when I've courted them. I'm confident in my, in my knowledge on boxing. I'm confident in my knowledge in soul music R&B music and I am confident in my intelligence if I turn anybody off over there I apologize (laughs) but all jokes aside I appreciate you Dame and I appreciate all the listeners out there who time and time again listen and make this a regular habit and getting their boxing news and their boxing analysis from the original great Rob Silver. So until next week when we talk more boxing and we answer more questions and I give you my 20th greatest knockout of all time, I want everybody out there listening to continue to be blessed and be a blessing. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.